Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, we are uh, continuing our series called Finished, uh, where we are looking at the, um, the last seven words uh, that Jesus spoke from the cross. Uh, he, he, he spoke uh, seven different things, and in the first week we talked about how difficult it was for him to just say anything. And so if you've missed anything, make sure you go to verticalchurch.tv. Uh, we just released a, uh, we, we just redone, we re, redone, we uh, updated our, our media page. So check that out. Uh, it, it looks a lot better uh, than it did. Not that it didn't look good before, but anyway. Um, so today we're going to look at the third word. And, uh, and, and this week as I was, um, as I was just studying for this, I did a little research on the, the idea of loneliness uh, because I don't know if you know this, but as a pastor, I get to talk to a lot of people. Um, what's really interesting is uh, I, I get to talk to people in, in just uh, normal, everyday situations, and then they find out I'm a pastor, and they, they feel very comfortable to share with me everything that's going on in their life. And it's totally cool. I love it. Okay, sometimes it's awkward because one time like our family went to the beach and I just wanted a relaxing Sunday afternoon and we sat down next to this family and then they just they just like vomited all over us, but it's fine, you know. It's listen, I understand that my gift and calling is not limited to these walls. And so even if I'm out in the community, even if somebody's never heard of Vertical Church before, they find out I'm a pastor, God has put me in a position to then speak life into their life. And so I, I do that, and, and I'm happy to do that. I love it. It's part of, of what God has asked me to do. But um, I get to hear often that people are really lonely. I, I hear all the time that a lot of people are lonely, but, but they're also secretly lonely. They don't, they don't tell a lot of people what they're going through. I think about the 30-something the uh, man or woman who's never been married and they've just never found that person, right? And, and they're, the, they're, 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 they're lonely. They're looking to be married, but they're not married yet. I, I, I get to talk to, to, to uh, young uh, Navy military people who just moved to the Norfolk area, and this is the first time they've been this far away from family, this far away from their friends, and they don't know anybody, and they're just in this season of loneliness. I think about the husbands, and, and particularly husbands. I don't meet with a lot of wives because I don't do that. Um, just, listen, my marriage is first, right? Um, I think about the husbands that I talk to that are, that are in this just kind of uh, affection-drained marriage, and they're experiencing this profound sense of loneliness, and they don't know what to do. Uh, as I was researching this, I discovered that um, in America, the, the majority of people, over 50% of people, don't have someone they can talk to when they're going through something. Over half of the people we live with don't feel like they have somebody they can talk to when they're going through something difficult. In fact, uh, you could even call it an epidemic. Uh, I, I read research that said that over the last 20 years, the reported uh, instances, like the self-reporting number of people who say they have gone through a time of loneliness, like profound, not just I feel lonely, but a profound sense of loneliness has tripled in the last 20 years. Uh, it, it, it's actually, one thing that I read, it said it's actually kind of, it's deadly. Because if you are going through a prolonged season of loneliness, you are 26% higher. You have a 26% higher risk of death, which I thought was incredible. It's intense just from loneliness. And you would think that technology would have helped us out. But here's the thing. Facebook doesn't help. 
Instagram doesn't help. In fact, check this out. I read this. This blew my mind. There is a direct correlation between the time spent on Facebook and decreased personal satisfaction and social connectedness. Here's what that means. The more time you spend on social media, the less satisfied you are of life and the less connected you feel to the people around you. Now, I know that is exactly opposite of what we've been led to believe. And I'm not like preaching against social media. I'm on it. I love it. The church is on it. It's a great way to connect. But it does not relieve that sense of one-on-one personal interaction, face-to-face, skin-to-skin, personal touch. Um, it's, it's a good supplement. It's a great way for your family that lives 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 hours away to see pictures of your kids, but it doesn't replace the need for relationship. And, uh, and I just found that incredibly interesting. And, of course, when we get in the church, then we get into all kinds of weird spiritual stuff. Like, people will say, all I need is Jesus, right? Like, like just it's me and Jesus. I just need Jesus. And I get the idea, okay? The idea is... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's just me and Jesus, and I get that, but, like, then I look at Jesus, and even he had a team around him. Like, even for Jesus, Jesus wasn't enough. (laughs) Like, he was Jesus, and he still had a team. And it's like, well, all I need is Jesus, but we forget that the cross had two beams. Right? Like, think about it this way, okay? Um, our church is called Vertical Church because we, we believe that, like, we've got to restore this. We've got to restore our connection with God, right? Like, this is so important. We've got to get this right. But, but we can't be all this and none of this. Right. See what I'm saying? Like, the cross has two beams. We've got to get this right, but we can't not talk about this, they ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, uh, okay, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And before they even were like, okay, we got that one. He said, and the second one's like it. And they're like, wait, we just asked for one. He said, I know they're, they're combined. He says, love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus was like doing this. <laughs> when he's, It preaches really good. I just don't know if it's theologically correct. But, um, but the point is, all we need is Jesus is not accurate. Because what we do is we say, all I need is Jesus. Because as long as I keep Christianity between me and an invisible God, I don't have to deal with people. You know what I'm saying? So, so we can do this, but we got to talk about this. This is great. This is awesome. This is like, this is one of the reasons our church exists. But we can't neglect this. And so today, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about our horizontal relationships. And I want to do that in the context of what happened on the cross. Uh, the third word from the cross is, is commonly called a word of relationship. It's this really beautiful, intimate moment where Jesus talks directly to his mom and to one of his disciples. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 19. Uh, we're going to be looking at three verses uh, in John 19. Uh, just this incredible passage. If you have a Bible, that's great. If not, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. If you've got your phone, you can uh, download the YouVersion app, and, and, and the Bible's all free, and there's like 150 million different translations and different languages, and wherever you're from, there's a Bible on there for you. It's awesome. It's great. Um, John 19, verses 25 through 27. Here's, here's what it says. Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to his cross, along with Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, 
and Mary Magdalene. So four Marys. I'm pretty sure there's a song in there somewhere. It's probably like a country song. But there are four Marys, or three Marys and a sister. <laughs> it's like a Jacob Dylan song, right? What is it like? Uh, three Marias, right? Wasn't there like a wallflower song? Anybody? Anyway. One, two, Marlenas, that's what it was. All right, ooh, we're way off base. Verse 26, so when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her. So we've got three Marys, one of Mary's sisters, uh, who we think is uh, Salome, or however you, Salami, however you pronounce it. And um, don't pronounce it that way, it's insulting. Um, and the disciple Jesus loved, they're all there at the cross. And he says to, he says to this disciple, he says, mother, or he says to Mary, mother, look, John will be a son to you. And then he says to John, John, Look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. And this is just, this is, this is incredible. Like, what does it take? What kind of presence of mind does Jesus have to, to literally be dying on the cross and to look down to see his mom and to think, somebody needs to take care of her? Isn't that just, I mean, that's just precious, right? Come on, moms, you got to be... Oh, right? Like, you know your kid ain't thinking about that, right? Like, they can't even think about you when they're hungry and they haven't had food in three hours, right? Like, I don't care about you. Ah! And Jesus is dying, and he looks at his mom and he thinks, you know, Nazareth is a long way from here. And she doesn't need to walk that road by herself. John, take care of my mom. It's just, it's just this beautiful moment. And it happens in the context of this incredible pain and suffering that Jesus is going through. It is just incredible. Now, now Jesus is the oldest son of Mary. We know that he has other brothers and at least one sister. But as the oldest son, it is his responsibility to take care of his mom. We, we don't know when, but we, we, ex, we, we suspect that somewhere in Jesus' past, Joseph, his, his, his earthly father, his, uh, his adopted father, if you will, um, he, he's died. We don't know how, we don't know when, we just know that somewhere between Jesus in the temple teaching the, 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 the teachers, jo Joseph is there, and then he's not mentioned again. So odds are he's died along the way. And, and life expectancy, it wasn't what it is now, uh, and so it's not, it's not uh, crazy to think that, that Joseph would have already passed. And so now it's squarely on Jesus' shoulders. And so he's thinking, I'm the oldest son, and I need to take care of my mom. And so he looks around, and he doesn't choose a brother, right? Because at this point, his brothers did not believe in him. His brothers didn't believe that he was the, the, the Messiah, and your siblings wouldn't believe that about you either unless you came back from the dead, right? Like, that's how, that's how James, Jesus' brother, believes that he's actually the Messiah because he got out of the grave. He didn't believe him before then. But um, that's pretty convincing proof. But, um, but, but Jesus doesn't entrust his mom to them because they don't believe in him yet. And he's like, i got to give her to somebody. Somebody that really believes I am who I claim to be. I've got to, they, they're the ones that need to take, take care of her. And so uh, he entrusts him to John. And as far as we know, that's all the people at the cross. Uh, there's, there's, there's Mary, the mother, her sister, Mary one, Mary two, and John. Isn't it interesting how the cross will, will, will clean out a crowd? Isn't it interesting? A week ago... Jesus was marching into Jerusalem, and the crowds were all, they were packing the streets. They were throwing palm branches in front of him. They were crying out, Hosanna, which means save now, because that's what they wanted Jesus to do. They wanted him, him to save them from the oppression of Rome. But now that he's on a cross, 
the crowd that was screaming and yelling at him while he preached, they're pretty quiet now that he's on the cross. And there's, they're not there. It's Mary. Isn't it, isn't it fitting that Mary, who carried him in the womb, is now watching him carry her sin and shame on the cross? So there's Mary, she's up there, and she doesn't say a word. She doesn't say a word because sometimes it's not about what you stay, but how you, or it's not about what you say, but how you stand beside someone that really matters. You don't have to say anything as long as you're there standing with them going through the battle. And so she doesn't say anything. And then there's Mary's sister. Uh, there's, there's Mary, the wife of Clopas. She's there. And there's Mary Magdalene, and you better believe she's there. Like, she had a rough life. This woman, uh, it says that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. So you know she's like, I don't care where you're going. I'm with you. I'm going, you've been too good to me for me to walk away from you now. I am going with you till the end. And that's how I feel about Jesus sometimes. I'm like, Jesus, you've been too good to me. I don't care what I have to go through. I am not leaving you because where else am I going to go? You've done too much for me to go anywhere else. And so Mary Magdalene, she ain't going anywhere. And then there's this disciple whom, whom Jesus loved. And it's awesome because it's John and and. Do you know who the author of the Gospel of John is? It's not a trick question. John. John wrote the Gospel of John. Amazing. We're all Bible seminary students. Um, John wrote the Gospel of John. And, and he, he, he refers to himself as, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Everybody else is just disciples, but I'm the one he Love. And it sounds kind of like prideful and not humble at all, but I don't think that's what's going on for John. I think that he just never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. Like he was just so blown away that, that Jesus loved him that he, he's like, look, I'm the one he loves. And, and when you talk about yourself, you can call yourself the one he loves. But when I talk about me, man, I am the one he loves and I can't believe it. And I want you to know, like, like in that song, we believe God is for you, man. Listen, Jesus loves you and I know you're like well he loves the whole world forget the world bro he loves you you are the one he loves and you can talk to yourself that way I'm the one he loves and that's that's cool anyway a word of relationship and the way I want to get at this is I want to look at Mary and John these are the two people Jesus talked to this is kind of like two different sermons in one because I couldn't decide which one to preach and so uh, we'll be here till we'll, we'll be here till about 1230 anyway, this is real short uh, so I want to start with Mary, and then we'll go to John. Here's what we see in Mary. Mary shows us that the greatest pain and pleasure you'll ever experience in your life will be in the context of relationship. The greatest pain and the greatest pleasure that you'll ever experience in your life will come in the context of relationship. Flash back with me to Luke chapter 2. Uh, flash back to Christmas, okay? What we talk about at Christmas time. Uh, Mary's a, a young girl uh, at this time. She's, she's engaged to be married, but she's not married. And an angel comes and visits her. And the angel says, Mary, you are highly favored among all women. Here's what's about to happen to you. God, the Holy Spirit is going to hover over your life, and, and you're, going to, you're going to carry the Savior of the world. You're going to be blessed by being the mother of, of the Messiah. Look at this awesome calling, Mary. This is incredible. That's it's, it's beautiful. And then what we see is that happens, right? Like Mary gives birth to Jesus, and the shepherds come, and that's 
weird, but, uh, you know, and then, and, and then, then and Luke tells us this in Luke chapter 2. He says, after Mary's days of purification, because after you had a baby, you couldn't just walk right into the temple. You had to go through some, you were unclean, that's the way, way Jewish law was. You were unclean until several days later. And so then they're bringing a sacrifice into the temple. And um, you had to, you had to, the law, the Jewish law required that for the firstborn son, you had to sacrifice uh, a lamb. You had to sacrifice a lamb, but there was this provision in the law that allowed poor people to sacrifice two turtle doves or two pigeons, which I absolutely love because this is a total side note. God makes giving accessible to everyone. I love the fact that even in the Old Testament, if you couldn't afford a lamb, God said it's not about the it's not about the uh, the price of the sacrifice, but the act of sacrifice is what matters. So if you can't afford a lamb, bring two turtle doves. Just bring some some form of sacrificial worship to me because it's not about it's not about the price as much as it is the sacrifice. I love that. It's so it's so cool. That's why I love the Easter offering. It's not listen, we don't we don't want like two or three people to participate and they give all that comes in the Easter offering. No, no, no. We want everybody to participate. If you can bring a lamb, bring a lamb. But if all you can afford is two turtle doves, then bring the two turtle doves. Okay? Anyway, total side note. Let's, let's get back to what we're going. So they go in and, uh, and they meet a man named Simeon. And Simeon has been promised by God to, to, not, to not experience death until he sees the Savior. And he sees Jesus, and it's hilarious. The first thing he says is, I can die. But, but anyway, he says this to Mary. He prophesies over Mary in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. And look what he says. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he looks at Mary and he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's, that's a beautiful picture of relationship because the greatest pain and the greatest pleasure that you'll ever experience in life will come from the context of relationship. And what Mary teaches us is this, is that to be used magnificently, you will suffer significantly. We have to understand that, y'all. We have to understand that power and pain go hand in hand. That to be used by God. See, we have this rosy image of what it looks like. I want to be used by God to do great things. Well, there's always a price to pay to do great things for God. Always a price to pay. To be used magnificently, Mary shows us that you will suffer significantly. The more God does through your life, the more difficult the battle will become. The more, the more you see God move, the more the enemy will fight against you. Because there's always... The devil always follows the dove, okay? Uh, back in Jesus' baptism, Jesus gets baptized by John in the Jordan. Uh, uh, got the heavens open up. A dove descends to be the Holy Spirit. The Father's voice is spoken out. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? Uh, and, then, and then what happens? Jesus goes into the wilderness and he meets the devil. Because the devil will always follow the dove. Every time, every time you feel like you've had a revelation from God, you can guarantee that on the back side of that you'll go through tribulation. Tribulation will always follow revelation. There's always a price to pay. Anytime we turn up the spiritual heat in our lives, we can guarantee that the devil will turn up the heat as well. Because to be used magnificently means you will suffer significantly. Think about Mary's story. At the beginning, the angel comes. Mary, you're highly favored. You're going to have a baby. The next day, what happens? Morning sickness, right? 
ankles start swelling, right? I get some weird cravings. Come on, those of moms in the room, help me out here. Like you got this blessing, but this blessing is a little bit of a burden at times too, right? Like all of a sudden my hands start swelling up. I get, I start, I have to waddle everywhere I go. The waddles come, right? There's always difficulty after the promise. Think about this. Later on, uh, Matthew tells us that after Jesus is like a toddler, uh, some, some wise men come because we know they're poor because they gave the two turtle doves, right? That's how they sacrifice. They sacrifice two turtles. So they're dirt poor, but then two, the, the, the wise men come in Matthew, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you know they're thinking, cha-ching, we just hit the big house. Like, we got the lottery, we got the Powerball, and the Mega Millions all at the same time. Oh, by the way, we've got to flee to Egypt because Herod's trying to kill our baby. You see what I'm saying? Tribulation always follows revelation. There's always a battle after the blessing. Mary has to, Mary has to suffer uh, through, through what, what happened. They, they, flee to, they flee to Egypt, and then what's called the Massacre of the Innocents, where all the other baby boys, because Herod was a maniac, he had all the boys uh, two years and under killed. And you know Mary was thinking, wait, she lost her boy so that my boy could live. How do you carry that? That's a sword piercing through your soul. And of course, there's the ultimate sword, right? She's here at the cross. She's not saying a word, but she can. She, she's looking at his feet, and she's remembering all the time she tickled his toes, and she kissed those little feet, and now there's a nail driven through them. Come on, moms in the room. Help me out here. She's, she's looking at these arms that used to swing around her neck and squeeze her, her, her waist tight, and now they are stretched between heaven and earth, dying for the sins of the world. And she's, he might be a grown man, but he's still my baby. That's right. Still my baby. Yeah. Right? That's a sword piercing your soul because the greatest pain and the greatest pleasure in your life will come in the context of relationship. It's what Mary shows us, but Mary's not the only one there. John's also there. And Jesus talks to John, and John shows us something else. John shows us the power of being present. Just the power of being present. I was wondering, why did Jesus pick John, right? Like, he had, he had 12 disciples. Well, at this point, he had 11 because, like, he wasn't going to trust his mom to Judas, right? Judas is full of the devil, Jesus says, and he's dead. But um, he's, oh, he's gone at this point. He can't take care of Mary. But, um, but, but, but why John? I, I researched this. I looked at commentaries and I read different people and I was like, I wonder, why did Jesus pick John? What was so special about John? And some people said it was because John's family had money and they did. Uh, when, we, when we meet John the first time, he's fishing with his dad and it says that John is with his dad and the hired servants. So John's dad's fishing business is so prosperous that he's hired people outside of his family to do the work. So John's Come, John comes from money. We know that John had at least two homes, one, uh, one, one in the hometown and one in Jerusalem. And so uh, John came from money, but I don't think that's why Jesus picked John. Another writer said that maybe John, uh, John was picked because he was so connected, because the family of Zebedee was, was connected politically. I mean, when you look at the trial of Jesus, John gets to go right into the courtyard. He, he's got like, when, when they see him, they're like, oh, that's a son of Zebedee. Let's just let him in, right? He gets, he gets to go right through. You got to stop. You, are you with him? John even had a buddy pass. He got Peter. Peter's just standing out there looking. And then John comes by. He's like, hey, you can come with me. Why? Because I can just get right in. Because I, I, got, I got connections. I'm, I'm a Zebedee, right? 
Like, I can just go right in. And Peter's like, yeah, and he eats all the food. But anyway, because Peter was like that. Peter's weird. Um, but I don't think that's why. I don't think, you know, Jesus, maybe Jesus is looking thinking, well, you know, if, my, if I'm up here, then maybe my mom will be guilty by association, so I need somebody that's got the hookup to get her out. But I don't think that's it. Another, another writer said John was also a mama's boy. He had a helicopter mom. Right? And so let's give him a second helicopter mom, right? You know what a helicopter mom is? It's the mom that shows up at your college uh, arguing with your professor. My boy deserved a B, not that D. You give him a B. Anyway. And Jesus is like, well, if he's, had, he's got one helicopter mom, he can have two. So. But I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I think there's just something so much more simple. I think it's because John was there. I, th- I really do. I think it's just because he was there. John was available. John's number one ability was his availability. Can I tell you something about being in ministry, man? Here's what I found to be true. The person who just shows up, (laughs) they're the greatest help. The person who just clicks accept on the volunteer request, they are the greatest help that you can ever come across because it's not the loudest who are the most loyal. Sometimes it's just the people that show up. Time in, time out. They're just there. Peter, Peter's at the table. Jesus says, one of y'all are going to betray me. In fact, it's one of y'all sitting right here. And what does Peter do? Peter jumps up and he says, I won't betray you. I'll even die with you. Because the loudest aren't always the most loyal. What does John do? John doesn't say a word. He just leans his head and lays it on Jesus' shoulder. He says, I got you, boss. I'm with you. He doesn't say a word. Just keep showing up. Listen, the greatest spiritual growth advice that I can give you is just keep showing up. (laughs) This is the greatest thing you can do for your relationship with Jesus. Just keep showing up. Just keep serving. Just keep giving. Just keep being faithful. Just keep like, like go full on Nemo, right? Like just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I'm just going to keep showing up. Faithfulness over a long time cannot be overrated. In fact, Eugene Peterson says it this way. He talks about discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. Just keep showing up. That's what John teaches us, man. Just keep showing up. The greatest people in your life will be the people who are just there. Because here's the thing. John wasn't perfect. He didn't get it all right. Jesus is in the garden praying, and he's with his 12 disciples, and he says, Peter, you, James, and John, you come with me. And they go with him, and he says, guys, my heart is breaking under this weight. Can you just, can you stay awake with me for an hour and just pray? I'm going to go over here by myself. Can you just stay here and pray? He goes away, and he comes back, and what's John doing? John's asleep. He failed. And then Jesus is arrested and John flees with everybody. And this is the first time Jesus and John look eyeball to eyeball there at the cross. And Jesus doesn't yell at him. Jesus doesn't shame him. Jesus doesn't condemn him. He says, John, you did it. You showed up. My arms are open. You're welcome. Come right back. I got a job for you to do. Listen to me. You may have failed him, but if you'll just keep showing up, if you'll just keep showing up in Jesus' presence, it doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter if you fell asleep. You just keep showing up and he'll give you purpose and he'll repurpose your life and he'll do more through you than you can imagine if you just keep showing up. You just keep showing up. So at the cross, there's, there's Mary, there's John, and Jesus is on the cross and he's calling the roll, right? He's 
He's, he's, he's calling out and nobody's answering. He's, 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 he's suspended between heaven and earth and now all of this loneliness is creeping up on him. He's all alone on that cross and it's so quiet. He's gotten used to the roar of the crowd as he's preaching and healing and teaching and, 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 and raising Lazarus. Like he's used, so used to the, the roar of the crowd but now they've grown deathly silent. Philip! James, son of thunder, Peter, the rock, John, I'm here, I'm here, Jesus, John, you know what, can I just be real with you, I wouldn't have seen John because I would have been so mad at Peter, I wouldn't have seen John because I'd be cursing out Judas. And that's the way it is in our lives. Sometimes we don't even see those who are with us because we can only think about those who left us. Wow, wow. See, I told you we were just going to talk about two people, but we've got to talk about Jesus. We've got to look at it from Jesus' perspective because sometimes in our lives we can be so focused on the people who hurt us, who betrayed us, who left us, that we don't even see that God will always leave a John at the cross. God will always leave somebody there to stand with you. God will always have somebody there to get your back, even if they're not the most vocal. Amen. And we can't, we can't miss out on seeing them because we're so mad at the people who left. If they left your life, they are gone. There's no sense of crying and whining that they're not there anymore. And you can't miss out on the people who are still there because they're still there. And Jesus shows us. Here's what Jesus shows us. Oh, gosh, I hope you can get this. This is the last thing we're about to close. Um, Jesus shows us this. If I can get my validation from here, I don't have to receive it from here. If I can get it here, then I can give it here. Because that's how the relationship works. I receive, and then I give. I can't receive from you. Jesus says, I can't get my validation from the people who aren't here. I can't get my purpose from the people who left me. I can't get my meaning in my life from you. i got to get it here. And when I get it here, I can give it here. Some of us spend our whole life trying to get it here. Some of us spend our whole life trying to find validation, affirmation, acceptance, renewal. We try to get it here, and we're looking for something that we can't get from here because we don't get here, we give here. We get here. That's what Jesus shows us. If I get it like this, I can give it like this. You can't get it like this. Listen, what you're looking for in your life, you're not going to get it this way. You're not going to get it from him. You're not going to get it from her. People bounce from marriage to marriage, friendship to friendship, job to job, because they're looking for this. And what you're looking for this way, you can only get this way. So get it like this. And when you get it like this, you can give it like this. That's what Jesus shows us. Mary shows us that the greatest pain and the greatest pleasure in your life will come in the context of relationship. John shows us that there's power in being present, but the number one ability that you have is your availability. And Jesus shows us that a relationship with God, getting it like this, getting my validation from God, then allows me to give compassion to others. Let me pray for you this morning.
Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and how you're speaking so directly and specifically to our hearts. God, I pray right now that, that we would receive from you in this moment what we need. God, there are people in here who need to receive purpose. There are people in here who need to receive grace. There are people in here who need to receive forgiveness and salvation and meaning and, and, and in healing, God. There are people here who need to receive from you. And then there are other people, God, who need to take what they've received and they need to give. They need to give to the people around them. They need to be present to the people around them. They need to understand that, that yes, in the context of their relationship, there's going to be great joy and there's going to be great pain can't give up on relationship we got to be present there's a power in being present but god we got to get it from you so that we can get it to them if that's you this morning if you, if you receive that word nobody's looking around nobody's peeking just everybody in this moment just just close your eyes with me because because i want you to do something if you receive that if you say you know what there's something in my life and I need to receive some validation or I need to receive some, some, some affirmation from God. I need some, some, some acceptance. There's just something I'm going through in my life. Listen, you may, be, you may be in a relationship with Jesus. You may be saved. You may not be saved. I'm just, I'm just saying that there's, a, there's something you're missing out on. There's this emptiness that you feel on the inside, okay? And, and, and you need God right now to do something vertical in your life. Would you just lift your hand up? Just leave it up. Just lift your hand and leave it up. I just want to pray over you in this moment that you would get it like this so that then you can give it like that, okay? Though, I'm not even looking around. Listen, my eyes are closed right now. I'm trying to not bump around on anything and make a distraction, all right? Just, just lift your hand up if that's you, okay? Just lift your hands. Lord, I pray, God, that you would see right now every hand that is lifted up. God, and they would receive, they would receive their validation, their identity, their, their meaning, Lord, the love that they're looking for, God. They're looking for it in people around them, but they can only receive it in you, God. Lord, there are some people right now, they need to begin a relationship with you. They need to invite you into their lives, God. They need to pray. And, and listen, your prayer can be whatever your words are. Just invite Jesus to forgive you of your sin, save your life, fill you with his Holy Spirit, and give you a fresh start, okay? Hit those four and you're good to go, all right? Just, just invite him right now. Just, Lord, Lord, forgive me, save me, fill my life with your spirit. Help me to live for you, Jesus. The, the, those of you who are in relationship with Jesus, but you need some validation. You need some affirmation from your father. You need to hear him uh, split heaven open and say, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased and in whom I love. You need to hear your father pronounce that over you. That's fine. Just lift your hand up and say, God, God, I need to experience some love and affirmation from you. I need to know, God, whatever is going on in my life, Lord, I need to receive from you. I need to receive from you, Lord. And as we receive from you, God, help us to give out what we receive. To, to release to others the grace that you've given us. To release to others the forgiveness that you've poured out in our life. We love you, Jesus. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.